thewellnesscouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. It's time to kick your shoes off, put your heels up, and listen to how to live your best barefoot lifestyle with your host, the barefoot podiatrist, Paul Thompson. Hello and welcome back to the Barefoot Movement Podcast. I'm your host, the Barefoot Podiatrist, Paul Thompson. And in this episode, I'm going to leave my shirt on because I'm feeling pretty inferior right now with my next guest who is an amazing influencer. He's changed millions of people's lives and created a huge amount of awareness through um, some of the social media platforms he's been a part of. And he's now endeavoring in a new really exciting uh, journey with a new program coming out, which we'll talk about soon. I'd like to introduce to you Andrew Dettelbach. Is that close enough? That works, man. It's fine. <laughs> that took a bit of practice. <laughs> um, so welcome, Andrew. You may also know him as the shirtless dude, shirtless guy. Shirtless dude, shirtless guy. He, he's never got a shirt on. So for those of you watching the video right now um he's got his shirt off true to his true to his uh branding and like i said I, i've got to leave mine on because now i just feel i feel like a really small tiny person <laughs> i was at a i was at a restaurant and a guy was super drunk walking he's like hey you're the body guy so that works <laughs> the body guy so mate tell us a bit about your history where's Where's this whole journey started and how have you gotten to where you are now? Sure. So a lot of my, my knowledge, my expertise comes from personal experience. Uh, before the call, he's like, wait, what, you know, what are your certifications? What's your background? And I have, I have a degree, degree. I have a degree in kinesiology um, with an emphasis in pre-physical therapy. And I decided not to continue on to physical therapy because the loans associated with that in, in the United States would have been around $200,000. And when I looked at the life of a physical therapist over a period of 15, 20 years, it's just not favorable. I'm like, I could do something else and, and enjoy my life and not live paycheck to paycheck. I'm like, if I'm going to go get this crazy degree, why would I do that? That just seemed like the life for a lot of people. And um, so aside from that, that that's, that's my actual background. I've done some FRC, some on it work, um, uh, some other certifications. I've been to a bunch of symposiums and stuff like that for fitness and chiropractic and whatnot. And I've learned a lot in that realm. And I've also just done a lot of hands-on work with people in person. But where my real knowledge and expertise I feel comes from is my own injuries that I've been having since I was about five years old. Um, you, I don't know if you want to touch on it now, but I have Ehlers-Danlos, which is Hypermobility, so I hypermobile Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, which isn't really mobility; it's hyperflexibility of my tissues. My connective tissues throughout all systems of my body are very flexible. So, including my blood vessels, my bowels, my muscles, joints, tendons, everything, my eyes, teeth. So, it affects my entire system, and there's a bunch of things that go along with that. We can touch on later. But what that has caused is, yes, I can – do people have video with this or is it just audio? Um, so it goes into both. We have podcast okay. and, so, and video. So for those of you watching, yeah, maybe for those of you watching, I'll talk through. I have quite a bit of flexibility. This is too – this is 
arguably probably more range of motion in the shoulder than you might need for flexion. It's way past my head. And it's that kind of flexibility that has created a lot of issues for me throughout my life. Just not being aware, not having the proprioceptive awareness, not knowing where my body is in the space around me that's contributed to a lot of injuries. And my biggest injury came in 2013 at the end of my schooling where I had a 10 millimeter herniation, my L4, L5, that left me with sciatica down both legs. So 10 millimeters to the left, uh, eight millimeter bulge to the right, which aren't significant. I mean, there's people in our program right now that have 16. Um, it, it, it was a lot for me. And it was a two year process of chronic sciatica going down both legs. I was on uh, all of the narcotic medications for about three months before I was like, I can't do that. Uh, during that period of time, I was actually working with patients in the office and um, I was just blown out of my mind. Had, I was on all these drugs and I just wake up, come in, just like not really caring about other people and or, you know, or my partner at the time or any of my friends and, you know, struggling to go to the bathroom, struggling with sleeping, struggling with, um, you know, sex was off the table, uh, constantly ruminating over like what were my plans for the week and the day, like, how am I going to travel? Do I need my back brace? Do I need my back support? Um, that was just my life. If people were like, Hey, do you want to go to dinner? I'd say no. Cause I don't want to sit in a booth or in a chair for two hours. Uh, it would be too excruciating. I wouldn't be able to focus. So mm-hmm. that was my life for a good two years. Now the reason I didn't get surgery is because my uncle has had about six. And <laughs> for those of you that know, when you have a surgery, you're more likely to have a second than if you just didn't have surgery in the first place. And it was that point that I was like, I really think it'd be best if I went the long route with the healing unknown, didn't know how long it would take me for my, for my back to get better. Um, but you know, ultimately it turned out to be a couple of years. And after the fact, just kind of learning that the herniation does also just reabsorb into the body, the body kind of the white blood cells will come in and they'll, they'll pull all that tissue back in. So for those of you that don't know, the herniation is a, this is your disc and you get your vertebra, your disc, your vertebra, your disc, and the disc opens up like a jelly donut and all the jelly shoots out of it. And that shoots into your spinal cord or the nerves that are leaving your spinal cord. And that can cause sciatica, numbness, uh, loss of feeling and all kinds of other issues. Um, so for me, it was the, the sciatica, and that stuff can get reabsorbed. It just takes a lot of time. Now, I'll summarize this real quickly here. I, I met a story. guy. What's that? I said, keep down to summarize. It's a, it's a great story, great journey. Um, you know, it's, it initially bulged when I was studying for my finals, actually. So I was laying there in bed studying for my biomechanics, my exercise physiology finals, and I was in bed coughing, had a crazy chest cold, and I was kind of curled up against the wall like reading books, and and I felt a pop in my lower back. And that was the initial kind of like, what the hell was that? And I felt like this twinge, and this the sciatica hadn't kicked in yet, and it was just kind of hurt locally in the lower back. Like it just it hurt for months that way. And then I moved my mom out of her apartment to another apartment. The next day I woke up crazy sciatica and it stayed that way for the two years. So that's, that's how it started. And it kind of, you can look at this like 
people look at their injuries and like, well, I did a deadlift or I went and did this hike or, you know, I picked up my kid and suddenly my shoulder hurt, my back hurt, my neck hurt. And people like to look at it and be like, you know, this one incident is what caused my injury. For me at the time, I was saying, yeah, I coughed and it hurt my back. No, I moved like shit for years. I didn't know what my body was doing for up until I was about 25 years old. Um, I didn't know where my body was in space around me, which led to numerous injuries. Now, about a year into my injury, I met a guy named Mike Koopman. He's a cross, he was a crossfitter. He's in the military and he was a patient of ours in the clinic. And he's like, you know, I think you should come to my CrossFit gym. I could really help you. And I'm like, what are you talking about? You're a CrossFit gym owner. Like <laughs> those are, that's 75% of our patients is CrossFitters. <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, no, no, no. <laughs> he's like, not the way that I do it. So I went in there and he, he just, he had me squat, do some hip hinging, push-ups, pull-ups. And he just laughed. He laughed at everything I did because when I went into a squat, my pelvis would just move like multiple times in a squat and he'd never seen anything like it. And to this day, I've never seen anyone else do that with their pelvis in a squat or just like kind of winked like two or three times during the squat. I can't recreate it anymore. Um, lots of instability in the pelvis. He gave me two exercises, um, just a hip hinge. He, he taught me how to hip hinge with a weight on my chest, like a 20 pounder. He's like, do this for two months. And I did like a quadruped kind of sit back, brought back on the floor. Yeah. And uh, he's like, do these for two months. Like, All right. I did them religiously and my back improved about 60% from where it was. And I was like, holy shit. So movement was really powerful for me and just kind of getting that, that groove going, also having something that I knew I could control. And that was really the start working with him. I learned a lot of, information that I've expanded upon since and I've worked with thousands of people and kind of given them uh, what I've absorbed from him and some other people in the field and I've just kind of meshed, been meshing shit together and learning from my own injuries and helping other people and that's where I am today. So, And I think to a certain degree a lot of us in the movement world whether you have certifications or not have kind of done that anyway. We like I'm the same. A lot of my training back becoming a podiatrist definitely didn't prepare me for what I do now. A lot of that's come from yeah, yep. meshing together things I've learned from mentors and, and, and had to recreate it myself to try and fix issues I had in myself. I think, you know, that's probably more powerful sometimes than what you can just learn in a book, you know, experiencing exactly. and seeing I had read your story on your site. You, you had mentioned, um, that you were, you were using orthotics and stuff like that for your feet. And you're like, this isn't yeah. helping me. And just by transitioning to the more barefoot lifestyle, you're like, oh, wow. <laughs> so well, I think for me, it was, I, was, I was in pain. I, was, I had my first son and I was over in Hawaii on holiday and got another bout of plantar fasciitis. I had an old knee injury, an old knee surgery that started flaring up because I was carrying him. And I was just like, this is, I'm done. Like I can't, I can't even walk on the beach barefoot with my son. And I just had this, moment where I wanted to change and you know like you went on this path of trying to find mentors find how to actually fix yourself and and learn more about my body and you know some of that's been non-conventional but for me it's worked and I've seen it work on lots of people like like yourself you know you start seeing this work on more and more people 
and it's, it's powerful stuff. Like, you know, you mentioned before you, you had no awareness of where your body is in space and that's probably 95% of the world in my experience. <laughs> yes. You know, like, I guess the downside for you is you've got that uh, connective tissue issue which means you're too flexible. So there's no nothing to kind of stop you getting into these big ranges where someone who has less mobility, even though their movement might suck, they may still end up with some sort of, um, you know, trauma or, or issue, but they can sometimes put up with it longer because their body's trying yeah. to restrict them a little bit, you know? So I think some of that awareness and space stuff is huge, you know? Like people just don't get um, taught it. If anything, we're conditioned to to learn how to become less aware of our space because of all the, you know, exactly. comforts we use, shoes, chairs, tight clothes. I mean, look, you don't wear clothes anymore because you realize how, how restrictive it is, right? <laughs> Good thing you can't see below my belly button. <laughs> <laughs> so with the um, Ehlers-Denlos syndrome, can we, can we um, chat a little bit about that? I get a lot of people yeah. asking me about it. Um, it's something that typically over here, there's not a lot known about it some people are kind of yeah they end up with lots of surgeries um you know people reach out to me with it um or that i see in the clinic are sometimes quite lost you know they they don't know what to do they've been told they need orthotics they need to wear different types of braces to try and restrict all this movement like obviously that's not the case for you you know watching um you on social media over the the past number of years from what I can tell, you're not into any sort of braces or aids or, um, you know, orthotics and things. Can you um, confirm that for one <laughs> and, and tell, us yeah. about, tell us about Ehlers-Denlos and, and how, how I guess you've learnt to control it and, and, and give some of these people who may be experiencing it, I guess, a little bit of a light and some, some sure. guidance into how to, how to deal with it better. Sure. So first of all, there are a few different types of Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, and I have the hypermobile type. There's some that affect more of like the organs and um, bone and skin. There's some that like where the skin will just completely droop, uh, like you're 95 years old type of thing, and say you're 17. Um, that, that, those are there are different types of EDS. So I have the hypermobile type, and so the I am not a fan of braces, and I didn't know about the Ehlers downloads until I was about 27. I'm 30 now, so that was three years ago. Oh, you didn't know you had and, it? What's that? You no, didn't I didn't know. know about yeah, right. So, Katie, actually, my fiance, she was watching social media. That's how we found each other. And she was, she was like, you know, you move. Like you kind of have like a Marfan, Marfanoid kind of body posture or something. Not quite, but she's like, I think you should go get tested for Marfan's disorder, which is, you know, a, a big issue where the aorta may just spontaneously rupture and I mean, you die within a few seconds. And normally there's, there's um, the fingers and arms are much longer than the torso. And that, that's kind of like, the signifying factor, kind of very thin, very lanky people, very tall, slender. You know, I'm very, I'm six five, so, and I wasn't, I'm not as big, or I'm bigger now than I was then, so I looked a bit lanky. 
And so I went and got tested for that. And he's like, you definitely don't have markings, but you definitely have hypermobile Ellis Downer syndrome. I think I was like a seven out of nine or eight out of nine on the Baton scale. So I'm you know, pretty up there. Mm. And for those of you who don't know, it just means it's a little bit more severe than other people. And all it told me was that I was on the right track because at this point, my back injury had healed. I'd healed my, um, I've had shoulder impingement, labral issues in both shoulders, neck, neck issues. I've had uh, meniscus stuff with my knees. I've had FAI in my hips. You know, I've, I've had all kinds of stuff. So it's not just my one back injury. It's every single joint in my body. I've experienced uh, severe chronic pain for up to a year or two at a time for each. And, um, you know, at this point, I was like, well, I've, I've figured out a lot with my body. I've improved my awareness. And I went to this geneticist. He told me I didn't have marfans. told me I had EDS. And he's like, you know what? You shouldn't be lifting weights. You shouldn't be doing uh, gymnastics or any explosive movements. Um, you should really just kind of sit around, do like yoga. And, you know, that is completely incorrect. I, I just, I was like, okay, okay. And I went and PR'd my lifetime deadlift that day. I left there, went to the gym and deadlifted 455. Uh, pounds, not kilograms. That would have been sweet and um, impressive. <laughs> 455 pounds, and and I was like, you know what? I just I don't agree with that. And I've done podcasts with the EDS Society with Katie because Katie also has um, EDS, so she's a little bit less on the Baton scale. And you know, not that it's a competition, I mean. Yeah, yeah, always. And <laughs> she had. You know, she's had pelvic reconstructive surgery as a result of hers. Wow. So she's gone through her bout of issues as well. And, you know, when we met with the EDS Society, they all came in and they all had like two or three braces each in various parts of their body. And we talked to them about, okay, if you have hypermobility throughout the body, you don't have control of your joints and you don't know the ranges of motion and you can't control that range of motion why would you be putting braces on and doing yoga things yoga is going to increase the flexibility and a lot of times you're not using active postures and end range of motion in yoga for for the basic movements of yoga mm. it's a lot of it's very much relaxed obviously there's going to be different trains of thought there but in general in the western society of yoga it's flexibility training can you get into the splits and how long can you sit there type of thing that's not conducive for most people. Now, I told them just learning to control the range of motion, do all these fancy movements. Like, can you, can you do all kinds of crazy things with your shoulder blades? And I've taught hundreds of people how to do that right there. And for those of you that are listening, I was doing a little shoulder blade dance that not many people know how to do yet. And teaching people how to do these intricate movements with each part of the body and then eventually load it up is going to be the most beneficial thing that you can do for hypermobility throughout the body. <laughs> that is the complete opposite of wearing braces and, you know, stretching. Well, that's the last thing you want to do. That's only going to make things go downhill faster. So I do see that like people who come in here, they always seem to be, but the people who want to do yoga and all these kind of big sort of flexible sports or um, types of training tend to always be more hypermobile anyway. 
<laughs> it's like you, you don't need more flexibility. <laughs> like, like, like you were just saying, <laughs> sometimes it's a really hard, really hard sell because they're really good at it. You're like, but I'm really good. You know, you're like, of course you are. <laughs> I haven't you're thought about any that. I mean, you're going to want to steer toward the thing that you're good at. So like for me, yoga and like doing the splits, I can get into the splits in like a month. I haven't, I haven't done it for forever, but I can get to it very quickly. It's easy. And I just, I continue to want to go toward like the heavier lifting, which I personally shouldn't go very heavy. I need to stay in the lower end of that threshold for me. Um, but like, I definitely don't want to go on that, that stretchier side. Yeah. Right. Sorry, go ahead. I was going to say with, um, you obviously like lifting, but it's not just strengthening, right? And this goes to not just people with um, hypermobility issues. When we start to look at retraining bodies, awareness, um, getting people to move better, obviously mobility is a big part of it if you are not flexible. Like you obviously yep. need flexibility to be able to move well. If you have too much flexibility, clearly you don't need more flexibility. But then when it comes to strengthening muscles, it's not just strength, is it? There's more to it than just strengthening muscles. We need to learn how to control them in the right, yeah, right way. Yeah. You know, FRC was really great for me, functional range conditioning. Uh, going through that, that training was um, pretty profound. I'd been following uh, Hunter Fitness. I'm not sure if you're familiar with him on no. social media. I highly recommend his yeah, stuff. Cool. He's made a pretty big influence on where I am today with my training methodology. and. And I, I just, I strive to be on his level at some point in my future. And, you know, the stuff that he has done with his body in terms of controlling the end range and having a ton of strength, like being able to lift crazy weights with the body, like contorted in crazy positions and feel good. Um, I was like, what is going on with this guy? And I really started diving into that, eventually went into functional range conditioning and just learning that. Yes, I'm not just going out and squatting and deadlifting as heavy as I can, but I'm also working, you know, strengthening my end range of motion, say, oh, you know, laying on the belly, uh, working on rotating my arm mm. into extra rotation as much as I can and holding that position there with weight um, just so that I can build control in my end ranges of motion because I have crazy flexibility, but I don't necessarily have control in it. So my passive range of motion, I might be able to get my arm up to here passively, but when it's active, I'm only able to get it to about here. So that means I have this gap from there to there that is not controlled. I don't yeah. have, but that's like 20 degrees of range of motion that I don't have strength in. And the goal would be to close that gap for me mm. so that I can become more resilient to any injuries in the future, whether I'm falling or playing sports. So mm. Or being That's, arrested. What's that? <laughs> or being arrested. Please have a yeah, hard time arresting. Yeah. If you <laughs> can pulling your arm up. Stop, stop. <laughs> get the cuffs over your head and run away. That's helpful. <laughs> yeah, right. It's like a superpower. <laughs> um, um, I was going to say, with. Um, <laughs> what's my train of thought now? Um, we're talking about controlling. Um, controlling that range. So I've noticed online a lot of your you know, posts and, and kind of stuff is around that awareness and a lot of that's to do with even just how to hold 
your body in certain positions, right? When you are you are moving, so I'd highly recommend um, jumping on. And I'll put links in the bottom to both Andrew's um, like social media page and the new kind of business page as well, because there's some amazing, amazing um, yeah tips and ideas on on how to move more efficiently, how to actually hold your body in a better posture, I guess, whilst whilst moving through different yeah. ranges, the, and that's that awareness side of it, right? Yes, and the, you know, the two pages, my personal page has always been about just exploring what I can do, so it's very much about me. Like, well, here's the things I'm working on, here's the things I'm struggling with, mm. and here's the improvements I'm trying to make with my body, and I'm just keeping that public. So I say, you know what, my hamstrings and calves suck, so I'm going to devote a lot of my time to improving these things, and I'm going to show you guys that process and that I'm working on it. It holds me accountable and shows people that I'm not some sort of superhuman person. I have things to work on. The business page is very much focused on the things that I've learned to help reduce my pains and also the pains of thousands of other people in my past online programs and tens of hundreds of thousands in social media. I mean, we've had so many messages. It's unbelievable how much these little tips have been um, such a profound change for people. I'd say for those of you listening right now, one of the best cues I can think of for posture is just simply reaching the crown of your head up to the ceiling, almost like you're a puppet. And the puppeteer kind of pulls you up and you're just lengthened straight up to the ceiling. Mm. Um, of all the postural cues that I've learned, you know, Katie's like, this is a classic Pilates cue. Use this. And it's made a big change for me and for a lot of other people just reaching that head up. So, mm, and you mentioned earlier too about that now. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that, uh, <laughs> and earlier you mentioned hip hinging. You know, I find with what I do with the lower limb stuff, which we can talk about in a second, hip hinging is like people just don't know how to do it, right? We've lost that ability to hip hinge. And again, it's not just hypermobile, flexy people, it's all the um, stiff, rigid people too that a yep. lot of people just don't know how to hip hinge. And hip hinging, is in so many movements we do from squatting to walking up a step to even just the, the pure act of walking. There is a slight hip hinge yes. in walking. And when we don't do that, we become dominant in other muscles or we start overloading different joints, lower backs. Um, so I think that, that kind of little message earlier about you learning to hip hinge and how much of a, an impact it had on your initial pain and in your back, you know, back in the day. Definitely. That's another one. Like, you know, I think if people sort of, you've got some hip hinging stuff on your page, don't you? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, it, the, our feed is very much sporadic throughout, you know, the whole mm. body. We just started putting things on YouTube, so that'll be nice and curated for, for mm. people. And obviously our program is very heavy on hip hinging. That's the first thing that you go into in our online program. I, I know that holding a weight on the chest and just ha having people sit back the weight on the chest gives you a little bit of a biomechanical advantage, kind of tricks your brain into not rounding the back. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just a nice way to kind of cheat that system and get you to sit back. So whether it's a kettlebell or a dumbbell and um, load that up. And people are like, well, if I have pain, why would I want to have weight? Well, mm -hmm. adding weight can be really beneficial for getting things fired up. Um, muscles that you might be having trouble connecting to will just turn on as a result of adding load. Mm. Uh, so that's that's our 
we try to keep things as simple as possible. We don't really want to inundate people with science. Like there's, there's enough of that out there using a ton of biomechanical terms. I'm like, I don't really, I don't care for that stuff. It's fine for me to learn it, but I'm going to try and take that stuff and make it as simple as possible for the lay person to understand it. That's what I've always loved. I'm that to make practitioners better. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, I've always loved that about your, your posts and the info you put out there. It is simple, but it's well, simple to, um, to understand, right? Because even yeah. as a practitioner, like some of the science stuff gets so heavy and it kind of, I don't know, sometimes just getting back to simple movements and, and kind of just putting it in layman terms, just, it's just powerful. It's just like, oh, yeah, that's easy. That makes sense. Like, you don't, it's common sense. You don't need all the, the deep exactly. stuff all the time. So I, I love that about it. I'm going to find um, a link to uh, some of Andrew's hip hinging stuff online, whether it's YouTube or Insta, I'll, I'll find something. I'll put a link in the bottom of um, the show notes as well because that's one that would be cool just for people to, to have a little look at and, and see. So I'll see if I can find one of those and put a link there. I don't, know if I, just, I don't know if I just have like a basic hip hinging video. Like, I, I mean, it's, I don't know if it's escaped my mind right now, but I may not just have like a simple, like, here's how to hinge. I think they're more like deadlift. You've got some like good morning kind of rotational. That's right. I'll find like the, the basic pattern anyway, and people can people yeah. can join your program. You know what? Just, <laughs> it's just it. yeah. You know, we'll we'll put a couple of little simple cues there, but then if you want to deal with this stuff, you need to jump on spread wealth and and get into the community, get into learning how to move properly. Because like yeah, like we just said before, Andrew really knows how to simplify it. Um, they've got some really cool images too. If you haven't looked at um, spread wealth page, and I'll put a link in that. Um, for that, it's got some really cool artwork on, you know, muscles and, and it's, it's kind of hard to explain. But basically body painting with yep. muscles when they're cueing different areas and, and it really highlights what's going on within the body with, through, this, um, through this body paint. It's really cool and a really cool way to learn it in a, in a simple, simple way. Yeah, definitely. The whole program has that, that latex body paint in it and uh, – also me teaching other people in the program because the past programs I would be the only one moving and teaching and it's unrealistic because I can do crazy things in my body and then I'd find that people would actually obsess or almost like hurt themselves trying to get their their body to be like mine and I'm like you need to walk your own path your range of motion is yours your genetics are yours you can't just be like my genetics you're not going to get your arm to do things like this like um, <laughs> yeah, not gonna happen. <laughs> and that's 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 healthy. That's fine. It's, mine's literally you out of the socket when I do that. So um, I'll keep working on it. <laughs> um, so let's talk about feet. Obviously, yes. feet, lower limbs is a big part of of what I do. Uh, walking patterns. How important are, are feet in your eyes? And and do you have issues with your feet with the, the hypermobility? Tell us about feet. Sure. So over the years, I've gone from being like, you know, the feet are, you know, they are the roots of your body. When you're moving around, you're walking around, very much kind of in line with the fact that that is kind of the first touch point you have with your stability. So if your feet mm. are off, your cushioned shoes, if you have a slight heel lift, that's going to change 
things all the way up the chain. Uh, it's going to cause your knees to buckle in more, your weight to shift forward, shift back, shift to one side or the other. Your pelvis is going to go into an arch position or tuck position. You're going to get into this anterior tilt, posterior mm-hmm. tilt. Um, as a result of that, your upper spine is going to round. Your shoulders are going to roll forward. Your head might fall forward or back. Your body's going to do all kinds of crazy shit because your roots are not stable. Your house is built on a sandy surface without any sort of support structure underneath it. It's just kind of wobbly around. Uh, if you're in California and you have an earthquake, your house is going down. Now, <laughs> I think with, with bare feet, completely barefoot, that's the best way to go. You're connected with the ground, you're feeling the earth, and your sensor, I mean, you have so many nerves in the bottom of your feet to tell you where your body is in space. That as soon as you put a cushioned shoe on, your shit falls apart. You don't. Your cerebellum doesn't really know where you are because you're not getting that, that feedback from the earth. Um, so, for me, barefoot is is key. Obviously, I don't think it's like the holy grail. I definitely go toward other areas of the body as well as um, mindset, nutrition. Like I, we take a full approach to health and body and pain in general. Um, I just, I think that it's one of the simplest fixes and don't have to overcomplicate it. It's like slowly transition away from your cushioned shoes to a barefoot lifestyle over a period of several months if need, or a year if need be. Mm. And, and that, that's going to make a huge impact on your posture and how you feel. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you, um, you mentioned earlier, you don't like AIDS and sort of orthotics. Do you see a place? For orthotics, like you don't wear them personally, right? I don't wear them personally. I've I've worked with a lot of people with flat feet, and I've had a lot of people with flat feet go through our programs. And just across the board, they by slowly transitioning to the barefoot shoe, even if their feet are can stay flat for years, just still building the strength under there and the control and the range of motion and the, all the joints of the feet. That in and of itself has corrected all of their issues. And I think the thing is, I don't know how it is in Australia, but in California, everyone wants things immediately. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have pain, they're like, I want to go on now. I'm going to pop these pills. I'm going to put these orthotics on. These shoes are made for, you know, plantar fasciitis. Um, I'm going to go see this doctor. When in reality, you're looking at, if you want to solve this issue and stop searching for things, um, you're going to have to take the longer route, which is, you know, building strength in the feet, spreading the toes, lifting your toes individually, grabbing the floor with your feet, um, you know, working on your ankles, stability, balancing on things. And ultimately, it's going to take about the same amount of time. You can either spend all your time searching for the quick fixes, or you can just spend all your time doing these, these little steps mm. to working on the long-term approach. Yeah, it's the same down here. Everyone wants it. Now, once um, yeah. that pain gone now, once the dysfunction's gone immediately, but you're right, it takes time. And I completely agree that the feet aren't the holy grail. Um, they're definitely a very, very important part of creating stability and awareness through the whole yeah. body. But, you know, I find um, I don't do much with nutrition and, and mindset. It's just not my area of expertise, but, you know, even just, going upstream and looking at how people breathe, how, how the hips are functioning, 
you know, that plays a huge impact on how the foot then functions and vice versa. So, you know, if we're just trying to strengthen the foot but don't fix upstream, eventually it all comes unstuck again and vice versa. So it's, it's really, it is a holistic approach and, um, you know, I normally outsource the nutrition and stuff like that, but you're right. It's, it's, it's really a lifestyle change and it's, and it's creating an awareness. The stability part's funny, right? Like people know they need stability, but yet they'll go and buy all these types of different supportive cushion shoes to do that. But cushioning is the complete opposite of stability. Like there's a brand over brand over here of shoes that have gone wild over the last couple of years with these memory foams. I won't mention the name in fear of um, <laughs> in fear of getting in trouble, but um, let's just say they're a little bit sketchy and <laughs> they're really soft and <laughs> hey, you like that? <laughs> they're really soft and um, soft and squishy, and people find they're really comfy, but the amount of instability that creates through not only the foot but the whole body is insane. It's, so, you know, getting barefoot. <laughs> I put on some shoes. Uh, I forget. With, I was at some athlete's house. I'm like, dude, those shoes are stupid. And I'm like, can I put them on? And I put them on. I'm like, wow, these are incredibly comfortable. And they, I mean, they have just this much cushion on them. And I'm, <laughs> I'm, at that point, I'm 6'5 now. I was probably 7 foot put those on and I'm like these are crazy and you know as much as people they want like this this comfort and there's a lot of discomfort that comes with things that create comfort yeah um, and I mean that's why it's, we literally looked at like little changes throughout the day so I mean, even like cold exposure mm. creating discomfort will harden your Senses like if you're an anxious person, putting yourself in a place that creates controlled anxiety can harden you and re reduce anxiety and stress overall. So it's things like that, things that, that create comfort ultimately create more discomfort down the line. So inducing some discomfort. If you find bare, being barefoot to be uncomfortable at first, it eventually becomes the thing you crave. You're like this makes me a stronger person. So. Yeah, I find it hard. Like, even being in a barefoot shoe now for too long, like at work, I need them for, for safety. Um, to a certain point, I use a lot of sharp objects yeah. at times um, <laughs> and deal with some gross things at times. So, you know, I need shoes on um, for a, a portion of my day. But even being in like, barefoot shoes for too long, I feel I still crave and want more sensory input from being completely barefoot. Um, yep. And you're so right, you know, like it is a lot of the, when you think of all the things that kind of make us comfortable, sitting on the lounge, like sitting in chairs, shoes, um, <clears throat> whatever it may be. Ice cars, cream. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing bad comes from ice cream, come on. <laughs> Don't ruin this for me. <laughs> Everything in moderation, I'll say. A tub a day keeps the doctor away. Is that right? <laughs> but yeah, a lot of these comfort things then do create weakness in the body. We become too too comfortable and, and lose that awareness. Can you tell us about, um, you mentioned nutrition and that's a big part of your, um, your program and what you teach. How important yeah. is nutrition to movement? 
So we, I, I'm not the nutritionist. We do have a nutritionist on staff. He actually just left my house. Um, he has a master's in nutrition, a bunch of other nutrition, um, fancy shit. I don't know. Starts. And so he's, he's taking our people through that whole platform. Now I follow that general flow that he's created already. And what it is, it's for everyone. So regardless of your diet, you're going to be drinking more water, eating more protein, eating more fat, uh, eating more fiber and reducing carb intake. So it's kind of that working on more toward a paleo approach, slightly ketogenic, um, but really focusing on metabolic flexibility. So being able to, because being ketogenic long-term doesn't make sense. We are a social creature. So when we go out, on the weekend, we get hammered and we eat burgers and fries and tubs of ice cream. Um, we need to be able to flip back and forth between being able to be a social creature and accepted in society and then also being able to go back to our more rigid, kind of strict eating patterns so that our body's insulin isn't just cranked up 24 mm. So that's more of our methodology for for the eating and there's just there's a ton of information there that i haven't even fully read yet i would be one of the people that's not ready to do our program because i'm still creating it and you know running a business and stuff like that and we got two kiddos and stuff everywhere so it's life's busy but um you know it's it's really making a profound impact for people in terms of um just things that people can control just understanding the food that they're putting in your body uh, gives you a sense of control. So there can be two things that can be helping the body. One, just reduce inflammation from not eating, um, you know, processed foods, pesticide foods, things like that. Just being conscious of that, not eating excess sugar, that's going to help reduce inflammation throughout the body, which obviously mm -hmm. pain is inflammation. The other thing is the control aspect, being able to control something in the environment that we're in now where the world is crazy, not just not just with COVID, but before COVID, people were anxious um, with all the things that were going on in governments and wars yeah. and all that. So, you know, social media makes people incredibly anxious. So being able to control things with their movements, with their body, with their day, all that stuff can create a lot of stability for people, um, along with teaching people about what pain actually is. Mm. Uh, well, all these multifactorial components reduce pain. Definitely. And with the inflammation from foods, <clears throat> I see it all the time where people have inflammatory joints, normally based on food. And then that injury, like you were saying, you know, people want to blame the, the picking up the kid or they had to jog after their child for <laughs> 10, 10 meters. And now they've got plantar fasciopathy or something. And it, it's not that incident. It's that your joints are generally so inflamed already you're moving terribly, and then you finally take that joint that's already inflamed through a little bit more stress, and then it just falls apart and, and yep. lets you know that this is now really a problem. So I think the food part is a, is a major, major part of it. Um, so it's really cool that you guys are uh, cracking down on that and, and getting people to become more aware of the food side of it as well. Now, tell us about this Limitless program. So spread wealth. Um, and it's W H E A L T H. Well, yep, W um, Health. W Health took me a few times to get that right in uh, <laughs> in uh, emailing you, <laughs> but 
W Health. Tell us about this Limitless program. What is it? What's it going to do for people? How do they get involved? Sure. So the company name is actually Wealth, but we can't get the URL or the social media for that. So we have Spread Wealth for, for the website name and for the social media. So that's where we are there. Now, the Limitless program, um, that is going to encompass, it's mainly movement and nutrition. Those are the two big components that are with it. And sprinkled throughout all of that is going to be the mindset, which I believe to be king over all those things. Um, you know, if you're wanting to make improvements with anything, whether it's finances, your relationship, uh, your pain, getting bigger, losing weight, whatever that is for you, uh, it's going to start here up in the brain. So that is just going to be trickled throughout the program. And it is anywhere from two months, if you're just cranking through it, two months to if you want to do it at your own pace, slower, slow down, repeat things, whatever that is for you. It could be as long as you want, two months to, or I would say four to six months would be the length of the program. And it's going to take you through that multifactorial process of hitting different components of your life and just making lifestyle shifts over a period of time. And for people that are like, you know what? No, I want the quick fix. We just say, this isn't, this isn't right for you. Like we're, we're looking for people that are ready to dive in and make a change mm-hmm. and make a change for the long term. And in the grand scheme of things, putting in six months of your time to, to make a huge change for the rest of your life isn't that big of a deal. I mean, it's six months. Um, and if you're able to commit to that time, like, let's do it. So that is... That's the approach that we have for that program. It has daily workouts for that. Um, there's tons of PDFs for the nutrition aspect, uh, tons of things you can print off, have on your fridge. Um, and then the, the big, one of the more important things is the community. So I've run communities for years, and I found that to be one of the more profound aspects of programs because people – they need accountability for one. So having people there to be like, Hey, where are you? How are you doing in this, this module? How's your such and such exercise, your pain, whatever. Having people call you out is helpful. The other thing is if you do have some sort of crazy ass pain that you think is very unique, it's helpful to be around 200, 400, a thousand other people that are saying the same thing. My pain's unique. And then they realize, wow, we're all kind of in this together. Like let's work toward the same goal of improving ourselves over a period of time rather than looking for these quick fixes. And also let's shift our mindset away from being so fearful of pain, Mm. fearful of our future. And it just leaves people feeling incredibly fucking good and making massive gains. And that's, yeah, a lot of people want that, don't they? If they're in pain, like that's kind of a big question. Like, oh yeah, have you seen this before? Has other people experience this sort of pain like people want to know they're not alone in you know there's not some rare freaky thing that's going on and and typically you'll find there are lots of other people with the same problem and pain and by talking with them yeah being accountable to actually do the work but you'll pick up different tips and things from other people right that what they've tried or and and then the whole community starts to grow and and become more educated in different problems i think it's very powerful and I, I learned from them too. I'm like, shit. I mean, there's just, there's so much brain power there. Like how could I not learn from 
other people about multiple topics. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty cool. <laughs> um, and one last thing, like with you were saying, you know, people can go two months to six months, and that is nothing, right? Like that's six months in the scheme of things. If you were to actually go and create a real injury, you know, blow your back out and, and have to have surgery, the rehab involved in you know, some of these big issues that people have and the money involved, um, the pain, the, like everything is far, it's only far more than six months. Oh yeah. So, a year. Isn't it funny how like, you know, for our cars, we'll go and we'll, we'll pay money. We'll find the time to go and get our car serviced, to get it repainted, to do whatever, just to make it look good. You and know, pay you on wash it. <laughs> What's that? And then pay for it for five years. Yeah, and once you pay it off, you get rid of it anyway. Get another one. Yeah. <laughs> but when it comes to our bodies, we're just like, eh, whatever. Someone will fix it for me. <laughs> Andrew will fix yeah. it for me. <laughs> and I think, uh, I think a lot of that has to do with the media. Just, yeah. I mean, I haven't watched TV and commercials in a long time, but I just remember getting slapped with like pain medications and like, oh, you have pain, like you need to do this quick fix, um, you know, taking these pills, wearing these braces, you know, go see this surgeon for whatever back issue you have. Just always seems way worse over there too. Like I remember when I was in the States, um, I've been there several times and that's one thing I've noticed on TV over there. There's a lot of health commercials on yeah, pain meds and surgeons and, and things. We don't get that as much here. Like it's, it's pretty full on. I mean, we're, we're the, the heaviest country, um, not, not the most populous country, but we've got some of the heaviest people in the world in the United States. I think Mexico is now winning that race because they still have Coca-Cola like crazy. I mean, that's just that's part of the diet, you know, six or seven Cokes a day type of thing. And, um, you know, it's, it's just a, definitely an epidemic out here. And I think that's ultimately in terms of like us being in the middle of COVID right now, one of the bleeding factors for death with COVID was being obese. So, you know, that's, and you know, COVID it's killed 2 million people, which is a tragedy. And at the same time, the food that we have out here is killing way more than that on a yearly basis, costing the healthcare system, the government, way more than, than COVID ever has. And it's, I mean, it's insane <laughs> that no one really, you know, we're not lobbying against McDonald's or these other companies that are creating all these crazy ass foods that are in the stores. It's nuts. It's insane, isn't it? And I think with that, we'll leave you with that thought because that's, that's a, it's a powerful statement right there and it's something that needs to be addressed. So I think I want to leave people with that, that kind of idea. So how can people work with you? Where can, what's the website, social media? Where can we find you, interact with you? Um, how do we join? So my, personal social media, my personal social media is Instagram. It's the dot shirtless dude. And um, spread wealth. So spread W health for the social media and for the website. So spreadwealth.com. Those are the three places currently. Perfect. And then YouTube, you said up and running? Yeah, I mean, we just put things up there yesterday, so <laughs> I don't know if it's—I cool. don't even know how to get there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'll see if I can find oh, a link. I'll see if I can find that and put a link in there as well. Um, thank you so much. I've learned so much. 
really cool um, chatting about the Ehlers Denlos syndrome. Yeah. Well. Like I said, I've had a lot and a lot of people message me about that, and there's a lot of confusion. So, you know, I think if nothing else, yeah. if, if you're experiencing that, um, you know, follow what, what Andrew is doing because he's experiencing it. <laughs> he's got it. Um, I would like to leave people with just one other thing that, like, you're going to get told by multiple practitioners and doctors that you're just kind of at a loss. Like the things that you want to do with your future are gone. And that's just not true. Don't listen to those people. They barely get any schooling with, uh, <laughs> with movement. Medical doctors do anyway. And as far as physical therapists, if they're not encouraging you to get back to the thing that you want to do, then that's not the right person. They don't have the right education. They've been working with the wrong people. So you can definitely get back to doing whatever the hell you want to do. Um, if, if a paraplegic and quadriplegic person can keep doing some crazy shit, then you have no excuse. <laughs> yeah, I've seen some insane things with, with that exact um, case talking about there with, with quadriplegic and paraplegics that were told never could walk again and, and have you know, defied logic and just through the mindset, through the sheer determination can, can make these insane things happen. Um, yeah, it's crazy, hey? There, there's a person that Caden follows. This guy, it's this man and woman, and this guy got in a crazy car accident or something. I don't know what it is. Gnarly brain trauma and just lost control of everything. Like, reverted heavily in all capacities with his brain functionality, everything. I think it's been two years, and he's just back to being able to talk, walk around. Like, I mean, he couldn't do anything. He was pretty much vegetable. And I think, you know, when you see something like that and then someone's complaining about herniation or shoulder impingement, I'm like, it's nothing in the grand scheme of things. It sucks ass. I'm not going to take that away from you. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, it's, it's, it's limiting your life currently and just recognize that there are some gnarly situations that people are coming out of and that shouldn't mm. hurt you take action. But it's finding that right practitioner, like you said, you know, a lot of, there's a lot of the issue too with, um, really trying to deep dive and help people through some of these gnarly situations is that, well, from the patient perspective, there's a lot of accountability needs to happen, a lot of hard work at times and, and repetitive work that needs to happen. So it's the same from the practitioner side and sometimes the practitioner is also looking for that quick fix and kind of quick out or may not know how to... <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> quick fix. There's quick fix and there's sometimes, unfortunately, some money situations involved but yeah that right practitioner that'll you know really start thinking out of the box and and spend that time to help set up these programs and things you know like andrew's done with this this program to help give people that tool to over a period of time really start to make change because change doesn't happen overnight it's it's never going to happen you know and if it does then it's probably not going to stick around unless you work it keeping it there and, and sort of maintaining that new lifestyle and these new movement patterns and, you know, because as soon as you stop and sort of revert back into old ways, chances are your body will do the same thing yeah. uh, it's about keeping this stuff up. I forget the statistic, but I think it was like 80 or 90% of everyone that wins the lottery blows it all within like <laughs> yeah. years because they never built the foundation to maintain and grow that much. They just know how to spend. Yeah. Same thing goes with your body. 100%. So if you win lotto with your body, you've got to keep maintaining that. Build the foundation. Get your shoes off. Hip hinge. Make your head tall. Eat well. We've got it sorted, mate. 
You got it. <laughs> all right. Thank you so much for coming on. Really Thanks, appreciate Brad. your time. Um, and I'll put all these links in below for everyone listening and watching um, on how to, to follow and, um, and get involved with these programs at Andrews. Thank you. Um, got happening. It's really cool. And I'm really excited to, to check them out myself. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst The Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of The Wellness Couch podcasts.